English source for all things Olympiacos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I'm going to sign or no for Olympiacos, he said, you are pretty good direct, my friend. I can't speak, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast. I'm here with uh, co-host and friend Kostas Lianos. Um, we're really excited for this episode. Um, the comments are already going off. Transfers are going crazy at Olympiacos this week. Uh, Gonzalo Avia Gordon, I think is the name. I, it's a three-parter of Huddersfield. You got it. You got it. By Olympiacos. There was another signing of Dennis Alessandric. Aligayic. I'm, I'm terrible with names. We all know that. Um, Abu Bakar Kamara is supposedly reportedly about to sign, former Fulham player, currently of Aris, and also Philip Zinkernagel, hopefully I got yes, that right, is you got it right. Is going to sign hopefully either this evening or tomorrow morning. So that is why we have our guest here to to talk about the player, but also to talk more generally about the relationship of Olympiacos and Nottingham Forest. So I'm really happy to introduce Paul Taylor of The Athletic here on the Gate 7 International Podcast to talk about everything. Welcome, Paul, to the episode. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to have you. Great great to have you, and thank you so much. So I guess we'll jump right into it with Philip Zinker and Huggle. That's going to be... I I already saw in the Greek media, they're already (laughs) saying, like, how are we going to... How is this going to work, you know? So If if it helps, um, everybody at Forest just used to call him Zink. Zink. I started doing one, that actually. as well. <laughs> yeah, we, we should start doing that too. Um, so, I guess the history is Olympiakos is going to sign uh, Zink for two million euros, roughly, from Watford. Uh, last season, he was on on loan at Nottingham Forest. Mm. So, could you just give us a general background of the player? What type of player are we looking at? Because a lot of people are saying, is he a winger? Is he a ten? Where is he mm. going to play for Olympiakos? So. What, what's the background? Where did he play at, at Forest? It was interesting because he actually signed for Forest partly because uh, of the position that Forest were going to play him in. When when he was at Watford, he got a little bit frustrated because he was playing as a kind of number eight or a number six even. You know, it was like an orthodox central midfielder with uh, a bit of defensive duty and was sort of sitting deep and using his passing ability to, you know, spray passes around. Whereas what he really wanted was to be more of an attacking player, more of a... Uh, you know, final third player. And that's why he came to Forest. And at Forest, he always played as a kind of number 10, sitting just behind the striker or occasionally on the right or the left of a three just behind the striker. He, he very much had an attacking role, uh, had lots of time on the ball, was creative, was clever, was intelligent. Uh, a really nice player to watch. And that that was why he came to Forest. That was what he did very well at Forest. Uh, and I, I imagine that's why Olympiacos would probably sign him, I suppose, to, to provide that kind of attacking threat and guile in the final third. Yeah, something Olympiacos did not have last season as a, <laughs> an understatement. Goals were, were massively lacking. So would you say his best position is out wide or maybe behind the striker? Because Olympiacos, 
Pedro Martins has been tinkering a bit with the mm -hmm. system. We're not sure where he's going to go with a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, as he did his first two seasons at Olympiacos, or maybe even back to a back three. Where, where could we expect maybe to see the best out of Zinko Nago? Well, he played in a 4-2-3-1 at Forest, and he also played in a team that played as with a back three as well. You know, um, Forest kind of played a 3-4-1-2 for much of the season. Uh, where Zinconaga will be the one. Uh, and it, 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 he did really well. He, he, he's really adaptable. I know he doesn't like playing in a deeper role, but he is capable of it. But where you really want him is getting on the ball and creating chances for other players. He's very he's very clever. He can pick a pass. He, he's good at carrying the ball. And he's got he's got a little bit more work rate than than he perhaps gets credit for sometimes. He, Forrest were a pressing side. They were a high-energy, high-tempo team when they're out of possession. And and he really led that. He really busted guts to try and win back possession when Forrest didn't have the ball. And, uh, you know, that that was kind of what he brought to the table. The, if I'm entirely honest, he'd have a, a game where he looked like an absolute world beater and then he wouldn't do much for the next two games sometimes. He had a habit of being a little bit up and down, which is I think is why... Watford were a little bit frustrated with him and and perhaps why Forrest ended up getting him. But, you know, when he was at his best, he's 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 absolutely brilliant. He's he he was a very, very good championship footballer that that was a huge asset for Forrest in a side that ultimately won promotion. We were talking about this actually, uh, before we went live, that according to my sources, Pedro Martins, the Olympiacos manager, wants him as a number 10. Mm. But we haven't seen a lot of 4-2-3-1 formations ever since Martins took over. We mostly see 4-3-3 and 3-4-3. Obviously, Forrest played a 3-4-1-2 with Zingernagel mm -hmm. as the number 10. But if we, if Olympiacos play 4-3-3 or 3-4-3, could you see Zingernagel being anywhere in those positions? Where exactly would you see him in those two maps? He's played, he's played on the right and the left in that kind of formation. You know, he, he is... He's a very versatile attacking player. I think what you want from it, he's never going to be an out and out. He's not a nine or or, or a you know a striker. But if you put him in a, an attacking three within a four three three, I think he'd be he'd be more than comfortable. He, he is good at uh, you know he, he can carry the ball, he can dribble, he can beat a man. So if you put him on the right or the left in a four three three, I think he'd be perfectly comfortable at you know at getting in there and delivering delivering crosses or even cutting inside and. And having a shot himself, he, he's never been shy about, uh, you know, about having a go if the chance arises. So uh, I, I could see him slotting comfortably into a four-three-three. To be honest, I, I don't think that'd be a massive issue for him. Now, to the more technical side of things, Watford returned to the Championship just twelve months after earning Premier League promotion. Zinker Nagel helped them return to the top tier, just like he did at Forest during his loan stint last season. But why did the Hornets sell him, and why did they accept? Did, why did they accept such a low fee for a talented player like him? We're talking uh, about north of two million uh, euros. I know that, that seems cheap to me as well. To be fair, uh, I, I don't honestly know. I don't know whether he was keen for a fresh start somewhere else. I don't know whether he looked at the Watford situation and thought he might end up playing. I know they've got a different manager now. I don't know if he had fears about playing in a deeper role again. Uh, I suspect not, given that they have changed. But, you know, who, who knows? It, it must be a personal thing with him. But, you know, he 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 looked a really good player at Forest, And I, I'm, I always had a question about whether they would sign him if they're in the Premier League or not. I, I, I don't know if he's a Premier League player. But at the same time, I, I am very surprised that Watford didn't want him for their 
for their championship promotion push because at the end of the day he's won promotion two years in a row um and and you know he, he clearly knows how to get out of the championship and he's a he's a very good player for for what they're trying to achieve right now you know their goal next season is going to be to get back into the premier league and 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 in philips in philips inconagle they've they've got a player who is who would be a very good part of a, a squad looking to achieve that but their loss is Costa's gain I think you've already answered my next question. You mentioned that maybe Zinkernagel is not a Premier League player, but I have to, still have to ask. I mean, did Nottingham try to hold on to Zinkernagel? Why didn't they try and sign him on a permanent basis? Mm. I mean, it seems like that was doable, as he's now joining Evangelos Marinakis' other club mm. on a bargain deal. Yeah, I, I think Steve Cooper would probably have given it some serious thought. I don't think it would have been a cut-and-dry decision. Uh but I think I'd, I'd refer back to what I said earlier about him being the kind of player that was brilliant in one game and then would perhaps be a little bit more quiet in, in another couple of matches. When, when he was at his best, he was brilliant, but he, he would have the occasional game where it would be too harsh to say he went missing or to say that he didn't play well. But instead of being an eight or nine out of ten performance, he'd have a six. And it, 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 I think that was the key to it. And, and the, the, the other thing as well was uh, there was some suggestion at times that he didn't always or wasn't always the keenest player to follow, uh, follow instructions, should we say. And, and and Steve Cooper is a big stickler for having players who will do things his way and want Forrest to, to, to play in the way that he very specifically wants. That's what's made him a success under him last season with their remarkable, you know, going from bottom of the table to, to, to winning promotion to the Premier League ultimately after 23 years. Uh, so whilst whilst Zinkenegel was a key part of that, I think you know as as they look to now face a very difficult challenge of of staying in the Premier League and retaining their top flight status, I think he's going to want players that are very very definitely going to follow instructions and and be you know the the the, the kind of team that he wants them to be. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. And we one question we were wondering about him we we got here from Andreas is. Um, has there been any rumors of him pushing on into the Danish national team yet? Is that something like he was knocking on the door after a good season? Was he at any point considered for a call-up? Because that's something we noticed he hadn't gotten a cap yet for the senior national team. I'm a little bit surprised he hasn't been. You know, he did, I'll be honest, I'm not an expert on the qualities of the Danish national team, but I can't imagine that there's, there's, there's too many players that are, you know, far better than Philip Zinkenagel. And he, he had a great season, played a lot of football, created chances, scored goals. And, uh, you know, he, he must have been knocking on the door. I, I, I don't know what the situation is there with him. Uh, he is a character that speaks his mind. He is a, he, he's a hugely charming man. He's a, he's a very intelligent man and it was always a pleasure talking to him, but he's not shy about sharing an opinion. So I don't know if that, uh, I don't know if that worked against him. Yeah, I think we we saw that when he flew into Athens and you saw him in this whole black outfit and almost a winter coat and it's 38 <laughs> degrees outside. <laughs> I think the fans got a laugh out of that. It seems like he was really into the fashion and he may <laughs> he, he may not have once he stepped outside of the airport, he may have realized that that's not going to going to work in, <laughs> in Athens <laughs> for well, sure. Let's not be around the bush. He's a very good-looking man, isn't he? He's, 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 yeah. he's, he's, he is. <laughs> that, that's one thing I noticed. He's very stylish. He, yeah, you, you can tell he's, he's into the fashion. And we've had those types come through as well. Of course, I may remember. Of course, Chimikas was very into the fashion when he was at Olympiacos, and now 
he's at Liverpool. He has all these different haircuts. He has all these new tattoos and everything. So <laughs> I think he, he'll fit in just fine. Jan and Via as well drives around his Lamborghini SUV. I didn't even know they made Lamborghini SUVs, but he'll fit <laughs> in just fine with, with the crowd. But going uh, back to to some of the rumors, we've been hearing about a player from Brazil uh, named Gustavo Scarpa. Um, we, we've also been seeing him linked with Forrest. Do you know anything about him going a bit away from Zinkernagel? Have you heard of links in the past? Because he's kind of come out of nowhere for for the Greek media. So we're wondering if that's someone who's been linked with Forrest before, if that's new to uh, all of us here in the, uh, <laughs> the Marinakis family, I guess. I, I read a few reports myself. He's not, he's not a name that I've heard being at the top of Forrest's list. That doesn't mean that it... The, the thing with Forrest is that they have now a lot of people involved in recruitment. There, there's several different parties. It, it, it's worked out really well. Their recruitment last season was brilliant. Uh, yeah. But it, these signings can come a little bit out of the blue sometimes if, if one party is perhaps working on it while the others don't know. But uh, no, he's not He's not one I've, 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 I've particularly heard of. But this it happens so often, doesn't it? There's so many times, probably five or six times even in recent years where players have been, been linked with both clubs. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it, it's, it's quite interesting how often that happens. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's I mean, one I have thing. to say uh, my sources as well. Uh, I heard I heard those rumors about the Gustavo Scarpa, who's apparently a really good player. I haven't seen him play personally, but uh, yeah, he is not linked with Nottingham Forest, according no. to my sources yeah. that I've spoken it, to, but he's very yeah. much in Olympiacos' radar. And it was the same thing, Costa, with we we also were told information about Kyle Ladd and it leaked. We yeah. actually got information that now Nottingham Forest also was, was looking at Kyle yeah. Lahren because he was linked forever with with Olympiacos. I don't think that's going to happen now, but it, it's kind of interesting how that is happening. And I guess one question we've, I don't know if you'll know anything about that, but we're wondering is how much there's interaction with the different departments at Olympiacos and Nottingham Forest, if that even is a thing. I remember uh, Francois Modesto is now left Olympiacos for Monza, was technically, uh, we were told he was the chief scout of Olympiacos. Some people call him sporting director, but he was also in some sort of role with Nottingham Forest. It wasn't completely clear. So one thing we've always wondered is what is the interaction between the scouting and backroom staffs of Olympiacos and Forest? I think it was, it was in the past, it was more more intrinsic than it is now. I, I don't think there is a, a huge a huge link now between the two clubs in terms of them both scouting. Uh, I think they probably both scout fairly independently now of, of, of the two yeah. clubs. Obviously, when Modesto was there, things were slightly different. Um, and, you know, when, when Yanis Ventros was was part of part of the Forest setup as well, I think there may have been a more of a link up there as well. But uh, mm. I think it's natural if, if you... If you have a figurehead who's who's in charge of both clubs, and you, and you 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 hear of a player that has certain qualities, uh, you know, say say Olympiakos, that they find a number ten uh, that, that that might be working for them, and that Olympiakos don't need a number ten. It's only natural that they they might think, well, De Forest need that kind of player, and and you know, th there's always going to be that relationship like that, I suppose. But it feels like there's less of a link there now than the than the once was. Yeah, no, it really felt like uh, there were many points where there was uh, a player like, let's say, Miguel Angel Guerrero, Kafu, Karim Ansarifad, where some of these players, to be honest, Karim Ansarifad was a very good striker. I was surprised he didn't break in at all. Guerrero, 
you couldn't say he scored goals, but he was very good. He helped Olympiacos achieve qualification in the Champions mm-hmm. League one year. Um, it was kind of like, well, this player is not picked. Maybe let's throw him over to Forest and see if it works. And not many times it seemed to work. But I think the one player who stuck around was Cafu, right? If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, he's kind of... He, he always seemed like the type. If anyone was going to make it, it's like this big, strong guy who runs. And we were like, well, Kafu may have a chance. And the other ones, maybe not. But, but Kafu he, may he also made chance. He also made Paul Taylor's uh, five-a-side team for Nottingham Forest. <laughs> <Is that> really? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's a bit of a cult figure. He, he, like, really? he hasn't played much football, but the fans really like him because of, just because he's so wholehearted and because you can tell he, he just loves playing football. And when Forrest were promoted at Wembley, he he was, you know, he was he was central to it all. All the celebrations, he was right there in the middle of it, absolutely loving it. He clearly feels a real bond and a real attachment to Forrest. I mean, I can't tell you off the top of my head how many games he played, but he, I bet he came off the bench about twelve or fourteen times. Maybe started six or seven games. I don't think it'd be any more than that. And but still, he he, he he's really bought into life at Forest and. You kind of want to see players like that do well, just because their their attitude is great. Steve Cooper's spoken about him. He, he said that every day in training, his his attitude is exemplary, and he, he he clearly just really loves life at Forest and 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 you know busting the gut to try and get his chance. So that, that that's part of the reason why I picked him in that five aside team. But it's just a lot of a game, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. And more generally, I guess we we want to ask how. This has always been the narrative, I think, since uh, Marinakis went over to England and bought Nottingham Forest. How have the fans seen this sort of juggling act? It seems at points Olympiacos fans are upset that maybe he pays too much attention to Forest, and then other times we've seen on social media Forest fans saying, "You're sending us your garbage players. No, you don't mm-hmm. care about Forest." How has that narrative seemed to change? Whoa you maybe just go through what it was like at the beginning and what it's like now, because we, we find that really interesting as well. I think the interesting thing will be to see if it changes now, because I mean, I, I was talking to Ari about it and he was saying uh, that, that from his point of view, there was a personal feeling that it might be now that, that Olympiacos might be the team that benefit from, uh, maybe players going from Forest the other way. You know, we, we've had so many players go from Olympiacos to, to Forest. Now, will the dynamic change? Because being in the Premier League is such a massive thing. I know I know that Olympiacos are a huge club and they play in Europe and you're huge. I've, I've, you know, I came to Athens for a game and it, it was a friendly and it, it, I've never seen an atmosphere like it. It was absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. The, 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 the Gate 7 Ultras were... You know, letting off fireworks. Uh, the, the atmosphere was like nothing I've ever seen. I've still got videos on my phone. Uh, so you know what a big club it is. You know what a big deal Olympiacos is. But at the same time, what they can't offer is the kind of scale of things that being a Premier League yeah. football club offers. And you wonder if the dynamic will now change from perhaps Forest ever so slightly being in the ascendancy when it comes to the relationship between the two clubs. It's going to be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know you've you've got Yao Carvalho over over there, and I I don't know how well he's been getting on, but maybe he he always felt like a player here who had had the talent, had the ability, but for whatever reason, it never quite never quite worked out for him in the championship. I don't know whether it's a physical thing yeah. or what, but maybe there is a relationship there to be had between the two clubs if you have players of certain qualities that might fit one club more than the other. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly a good point, and. 
It, it, the best example, I think, could be some of the players Olympiacos have sent to the Premier League who are in very well, such as Jose Sa. Maybe he wouldn't have gone over, to, because now Nottingham Forest, I, I've read, is looking for a goalkeeper. He wouldn't have gone to Wolves. He would have gone to Forest. And I think he was voted mm-hmm. one of the best keepers in, in the Premier League last season or was one up there. Up there. And, of course, Daniel Podense as well has gone over Luka mm-hmm. Milivojevic. So kind of... When a player comes to Olympiacos or is maybe interested, they say, maybe one, one and a half seasons here at Olympiacos, I show my stuff, I can make a step to the Premier League. So it could also boost Olympiacos' transfer strategy in that they're offering a pathway to the, the best um, football division in the world. So that, that's another aspect I've thought about. What about you, Costa? Do you have any, any points on this? Well, I mean, obviously, Olympiacos has been opening a lot of uh, doors in the Premier League. I, I agree totally with Paul. I mean, this is the biggest challenge Marinakis is dealing with ever since deciding to take over Nottingham Forest because Olympiacos have a very demanding crowd. Olympiacos, yes, they're a Greek team. Yes, they always win the Greek League. Uh, the Greek League cannot be compared to the top five in the world in any way, shape or form. But Olympiacos are a very big club with very serious, with very demanding fans. Uh, they demand victory. They demand success. They demand the title. They anything less than that leads to dire repercussions. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to, uh, to, to to see what happens what happens right here because Marinakis has to deal with two very demanding clubs with two very demanding uh, fans. I don't know how do you. I mean, I guess I'm asking you for your prediction here, Paul. I mean, how do you see this panning out here? With I mean, you got. You got to you got to do some major juggling here. Yeah, I think the, the the long and the short of it, regardless of whether you have an interest in another football club or not, if if you after twenty three years have been the man that's led Forest out of the Championship and back into the Premier League, you 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 just have to be committed to making sure they stay there because it's been so long. It has, and you, you look at the players that Forest have been linked with. You know, uh, they, they're looking to spend some reasonably serious money on, on on players you know even the ones they've been linked with you can see them spending 40 60 million pounds and and that is a you know it, it's a large degree of commitment you know even Dean Henderson who, who they're trying to get on loan there's talk that Forrest will pay his wages in full and that's got to be something close to a hundred thousand pounds a week which is triple anything that they're paying at the minute easily uh, so that that's a sign of commitment, and I know the money goes up hugely once you're in the Premier League. What with all the extra TV money and such like, it's just a whole different world. But there's still it still feels like there's a huge commitment there to keeping Forest in the top flight, and and hopefully that'll prove to be the case because when, even if you stay up for one season, then all of a sudden you you're in such a better place to go and push on again and and try and establish yourself back up there where where they were all those years ago. You touched on it. Uh, I would like to, do, to, to go a little deeper on it because uh, according to my information, Taiwo Awoni's record-breaking arrival from Union Berlin to Nottingham Forest is pretty much done yeah. following a 20 million euro deal that mm. will see 10% going to former club Liverpool. You reported, and you just said it right now, that Forest have agreed a loan deal for Manchester United goalkeeper Dean Henderson. Well, mm. I hear an announcement could be made uh, by next week. What else do you know about Nottingham's transfer business and how would you rate Marinakis' performance in the summer market so far? In the summer market so far, I mean, it's hard to say because, you know, they haven't even made a, a, a signing, but the players that they're going after have been, you know, really high calibre. You look at, you know, they're really keen on Morgan Gibbs-White as well, which would be a, a heck of a signing. And, it, it, you know, to, to go back to the whole Zinkenegel situation, that's probably one of the reasons why they weren't 
perhaps busting a gut to get him because if they get Gibbs White, it'd be a huge step up in class for a player that plays in a in a in a similar role. You know, they, it's the same with with Keenan Davis and and uh, Owen Ee. Davis was great last season, but. If they, if they get Taewoo from from Union Berlin, then uh, he he would be a similar player, but a step up in quality again. So it it does feel like they're targeting players that will immediately make them stronger, and also at the same time that whilst they're investing money in these players, they're all players who are still relatively young and would, in theory, uh, you know, only go up in value and would would still be attractive to to other sides if the worst happens, say, and, and Forest do get relegated next season, then they've got saleable assets that they could move on without necessarily, you know, going back into the championship with a huge wage bill of 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 players who are over the age of 30, have no transfer value, are earning huge wages and and find themselves in financial trouble like so many clubs have done when they've gone down. It, it feels like there's some careful planning and careful thought going into building a squad that that can keep Forest up. But if the worst happens, they're, they're going to have a, a group of players, hopefully, that aren't going to cripple the club financially moving forward. Yeah. How should Marinakis approach the summer market, considering that many of the players that helped the team gain promotion last season mm-hmm were alone, and some mm. of them have either left, like Zinkernagel, or are ready to go, such as Jed Spence to Tottenham. Mm. Jed, Jed Spence is a tough one. I mean, Forrest were really keen uh, to get him back, and you can understand why, but I think uh, there was talk at, at one stage last season that Middlesbrough would be wanting around £12 million for him, which would seem a relatively reasonable about money, but once Tottenham became interested and once Forrest got promotion... Uh, that that kind of figure seems to have gone up more towards around the twenty million pound mark, which which seems, you know, what a great player he is, what a great young lad, enthusiastic, keen to learn. Another one that would only go up in value, but but twenty million pounds seems a little bit rich for a player that's basically had one outstanding season. So uh, you can understand why they've kind of started to move on to potentially different targets rather than. Uh, you know, trying to spend twenty million pounds on a player that that feels a bit rich, particularly when Spurs are interested. And let's be honest, I, I believe he grew up as a Spurs fan, and his family are Spurs fans, and they can offer things that Forest can't. So, you know, maybe you sort of hold your hands up and say, "Well, fair enough. We'll move on to different targets that might be better value for us." James Garner, you know, what a great signing he was, and you know, I think there's a feeling that even though they're getting one player on loan from Manchester United, there might be a might be ways to work around that. I'm not sure if I'm entirely oh, really? possibly, possibly. There's there's some feeling that if uh, if there's a permanent deal in the offing for Henderson, that that they, they might be able to work around getting another loan from the mm-hmm. same club. I'm not in, I'm not saying that for certain, but that 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 is a avenue I think that's being explored. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll have to see on that one. But you know, the, there was a real. I think the thing with the loan signings is that the Forest as a club, as well as fans, kind of develop this emotional atta- attachment with them. And that's understandable because they played a key role in, in in such a landmark season. You know, these were all people that achieved what literally hundreds of other players over the last two decades haven't been able to achieve by getting Forrest back into the Premier League. It's been such a long wait for the club to get back to this level that, uh, you know, the lads that did it will forever be remembered as heroes, whatever happens, you know, whether, whether Spence and Garner and Davis come back, they'll, they'll, they'll forever be remembered for, for being part of that group of players. But I think Forrest have been quite good at kind of taking a step back from that emotional attachment and looking at things very forensically and very unemotionally and saying, 
can we do better? Can we have better value? Can we can we find alternative targets that might uh, represent better value for money? So time will tell if they're right or not, but, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll see. No, I, I find that really interesting. And um, one thing that, that we've been wondering, is there any reports that some of these players are Olympiacos players? Is there any way... Do you, have you heard? Because it's really interesting. It seems like there's been no links to any Olympiacos players. And as Costa, I think, has reported, Papa Busise from Olympiacos is currently linked with Everton and Madi Camara in the past has been linked with many teams in uh, in the UK as well as now in, in Italy, I think, and in Portugal. Monza, no, no, Monza. Yeah, Sporting Lisbon, Porto as well. Yeah. We got Agibu Camara as well has been linked yeah. with a lot of Premier League teams. So do you see any road for Olympiacos players or rumors of Olympiacos players coming to Nottingham Force? Because up to this point, I would have thought there would be more rumors. It's kind of a cheap, easy story to sell. Well, Mari Camara to Force, but it seems like there hasn't been those links. Do you think those could develop maybe later into the summer? Well, you guys might actually know better than me on this one, to be fair. I haven't actually heard any names linked, but, you know. Yeah, well, um, that, that's the thing. We haven't heard any. So it was kind of surprising because when we saw Forrest go up, we thought, well, here's here's a few stories you can sell instantly. You know, you can say yeah. Mari Camara, Papa Busise. How would that go down, though? Would that not go down really extraordinarily badly with the Olympiacos <laughs> fan base if if all of a sudden your best players were being linked with yeah. Forrest? Would that would that not? I think, I think that's a good question for... A lot of unreasonable fans, they would not go down well. But I think for a lot of reasonable fans, it seems, well, the chapter's closing. Mari Camara has been at Olympiacos for four years. Papa Bucese has been here longer. Um, players mm. like that aren't meant to stay at Olympiacos so long. You know, mm. we want them to stay and develop, but it seems like they're almost plateauing at this point. If we could sell them to Forest and maybe open up some funds to go somewhere else, it could be an opportunity yeah. to, to to see them shine because... I. I think a lot of Olympiacos fans get joy in seeing players we produce go on and be great yeah. at, in the Champions League. Seeing Jose Sa or the, the Premier League, seeing Jose Sa be voted one of the best keepers um, mm. this past year in the Premier League, it brings joy to me. And seeing Daniel mm. Podense perform magically, really it's kind of like yeah, it kind of makes us feel well. We were right; these players, these were players that we knew were were quite good, and we we've seen them go on. But as Costa may know, a lot of people uh, <laughs> aren't happy like that. You know, they're like, we want to keep the player forever. But I, I, I see it as a good path maybe to move some some players on and maybe seeing them move into the Premier League. I don't know, Costa, what do you think? I think Sissé and the Camaraz, Podense, Saab before them, Milivojevic, Miralas as well before them. They're the kind of players that they don't stay at Olympiacos. They don't retire at Olympiacos. They come at a, night, at a, at a young age. They're super talented. They got good agents, and they can bring you a good penny. Uh, if that means going to Nottingham Forest for a really good price, you know, the, the, I mean, the owner, you know, makes it work so that Olympiacos get a really good profit out of this. Then, yeah, I don't think a lot of people would care. But I think it's it's the finances that they're looking into because they're thinking, you know, if they if Cisse, for example, doesn't go to Nottingham, maybe he can get a a sweeter price to go to another club elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I think that's no. how they see it. That's how they see the whole deal. It's all about profit at the end of the day. So they can get money to buy a, an even better player or keep up bringing some uh, young yeah. players coming in. Is that how Nottingham Forest see it as well? I mean, we haven't done that a lot. We only had Carvalho coming to Olympiacos from Nottingham Forest, if I'm not mistaken, so far. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, how, how's he getting on? I think he's doing well. Uh, some yeah. some impressive performances coming in. Some impact performances off the bench. He's in Austria right now doing preseason. He has been cut. That's good because some play. We have had some uh, some surprises yeah. like Costas Fortunis, who has been praised by Pep, who was praised by Pep Guardiola only two years yeah. ago, and he seems like he's done with the team. He's joined he's the team. Done. Some impressive performances. Plays in the wings. Plays at number ten. Sometimes I think a little deeper as well. But so far, so good. I'll be very. It'll be very interesting to see what he does, especially yeah. now with the Champions League qualifiers coming up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jao Carvalho, I think. Uh, to be honest, I think in January the coach didn't want him. I'm, I, I that's the information we got, and that we were told Pedro Martins was a bit colder. But to be honest, Olympiacos could barely score a goal in January. They mm. they ended the season barely able to score a goal, and Jao Carvalho came in and provided quite a few assists and a few goals every now and then. And the team needed that after Costas Fortuny's first ACL injury, then the second. Also, we're now looking at Mattia Vuabuena at 38 years old. There isn't another creative midfielder. They have, they've tried the two Camaras at um, that more attacking role, and it hasn't worked extremely well from a creative point of view. So Carvalho offers something Olympiacos hasn't had since hmm. the aging of Abuena and the injuries of Fortunis. A bit of flair, a bit of creativity, because a lot of times in Greece, if we're being honest, it's just come, you know, that we're going to sit all the way back <laughs> and you got to you got to score a goal uh, on us in this really poor field that we're playing at. And um, Carvalho knew how to open up a team. And yeah. that's something even now going into preseason, you're wondering, are we going to be able to solve that? The fullbacks were really bad last season. The wingers were really bad. So Hopefully, with Sinker Nagold, with uh, the new signing from Huddersfield, uh, Costa said Alvarez. What, what was the name? Avila, 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 Avila. <laughs> you know, we're we're hoping. Also, Versalco from Atletico Madrid is supposedly close to signing, maybe next week. So, we're hopeful. We're hopeful. Signings are being made really early this season at Olympiacos, which is something not usual because Champions League right now is not promised. So a lot of players, when they see Olympiacos, the Champions League team, they'll go for the Champions League. At this point, mm. we play in the second round of qualifications in a month. So a lot of team players will say, well, it's not guaranteed, so I'm not going to come yet. Surprisingly, the team has made moves fast this summer, something they haven't done in the past two two years, I would say. So we'll see. They're They're definitely going full push for the Champions League this season. The wage budget's really big as well. That's a that's a big problem. And technically, at the moment, with Francois Modesto out, we don't have a sporting director or a chief scout. Is what they? I. I it's, well, there's no technical director. There's no technical director at the moment. Um, Morgan De Sanctis was supposed to be it, then he didn't come. Walter Sabatini from Italy also was supposed to come. He didn't come. So it, it, it's it's a bit confusing what is going on, but. Things are happening. We may not know what's going on, but things are happening. So I guess that's the point of view from Olympiacos at this moment going on a longer rant, I guess. <laughs> yeah, putting it in, in perspective. But I I, I got a big one for you, Paul. I got a big one here for you. <laughs> okay. Be gentle. As, as Greek fans, we know Marinakis likes a good statement signing, as we've mm. seen at Olympiacos these past few years, ever since he took over in 2010. We've mm. seen players like Arieli Bagassa, Esteban Cambiaso, Mathieu Valbuena. Uh, and now 
Sime Versalico, as Labro mentioned, apparently he's very, very close to Olympiacos. Uh, my sources tell me that transfer business at Nottingham Forest will depend largely, if not completely, on what CEO Dane Murphy and manager Steve Cooper want. But how likely do you think a major signing is for Nottingham this summer? And I'm talking major, big name. Well, I don't think that's Steve Cooper's style, to be honest. Uh, there was talk; they were linked briefly with with Gareth Bale, which would have kind of fitted into that category, but. I don't think that's ever the kind of thing that Cooper would want to go for. Uh, you know, whether he has, uh, I'm sure he has a, a huge say in, in signings. It would probably require somebody saying, no, you're having him for a certain type of player. But I can't see that happening. I, I think he has, because he's the man that kind of led Forrest to promotion, I think he, he's got a huge amount of respect and a huge amount of say in, in what kind of business Forrest do. I, I I can't see them going out of their way to sign a, a, a massive big name just just as a statement, just purely to say we mean business because he, he kind of built a dressing room where everybody got on, everybody was on the same level, everybody was part of the team. And when you sign a huge player, like a statement signing, let's say using Bale as an example, you kind of take a risk of of upsetting that, that dynamic. You, you, you feel like you... You bring somebody into the dressing room that might be earning a hell of a lot more money, that, that's got this huge background, might feel like they're somehow superior. I don't know Gareth Bell well enough to be able to say whether he's that kind of character or not. But, you know, what you don't want to do is upset everything you've worked so hard to build uh, in terms of that atmosphere they've got in the dressing room. So I, I, I couldn't really see Forrest going out and, and making a massive statement signing like that. I might yes. I'd be wrong. We, we could see. We could yeah. see it happen in the next few weeks, but I, it feels unlikely. It's interesting because I see parallels um, with this period you're going through with the beginning of Pedro Martins because we, we went through a similar moment where the squad was, before uh, Cooper came in, it seemed the squad was a bit dysfunctional, if I can say that, mm -hmm. from, from the outside. There were players coming in like Gaetan Bong. I'm going to be honest, used to play for Olympiacos. It's like, what yeah. is this guy doing at this level? Is this real? Like, And mm -hmm. uh, players like that. And the same thing almost happened with Pedro Martins. The the chairman, I think, Vagelis Marinakis, uh, essentially signed Yaya Toure after he finished at Manchester City. And to be honest, he 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 wasn't able to play football anymore, and there was this big pressure, especially from the fans, Olympiacos fans, because Yaya Toure played for Olympiacos at the start of his career to play the guy, play the guy. He's going to do it, and yeah. he simply cut Yaya Toure. Like, and it was kind of a moment where it's like the manager's in control now. It wasn't mm -hmm. like Marinakis gave a player, you play the player, you know. And it was a huge deal at Olympiacos. Costa, maybe you remember that as well. He basically, I think Toure played three games and he essentially said, you're done, you're done. And he left. And I don't think he played football really that competitively since. So no. um, I, I see parallels from that situation. But I, I guess we'll... a different we'll, situation, we'll though, because Nottingham Forest <laughs> had a great success, whereas Olympiacos had a huge failure. It was They finished <laughs> third and it was, it was the worst season for 25 years, whereas... Uh, yeah. Nottingham are back in the Premier yes. League uh, yeah. for 23 think, years. It's true. I think they will make statement signings of of a sort. You know, if they got Gibbs White, if they, if they, yeah, 
if they get, you know, when Oniyu gets over the line, I hope I'm saying that right. By the way, I'm having a paranoia like yours now. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm terrible with the names. Don't worry. This is a safe space for saying names terribly. We have a lot of confusing, <laughs> terrible. Like what? I swear, sometimes I see a player linked with Olympiakos, and I, I look and I say, how did they spell this name in Greek? It's so confusing, even in English, to say it. So you read the name in Greek, and then you have to go check it in English, and you're still confused. So I'm right there with you. <laughs> Yeah, I think they will make state. You know, they're going to make good signings, hopefully, and they they will. You know, there's a lot to be excited about. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah. I, I think they're going to hopefully have quite a strong team by the time they they head to Newcastle for that that opening day. It's just so exciting just being being in the Premier League. You know, you looked at the fixture list and you went through it all, and you you kind of felt a bit daunted a little bit. But then, you know, you, you get used to it, and you think you know, Forest played. Arsenal, they played well. They beat Arsenal. They beat Leicester. Uh, yeah. They gave Liverpool a heck of a good game in the FA Cup. So they, they need to show huge respect to the people they're going to be playing. But they, I don't think they've got anything to be scared of if they go out and, and produce this to the same level that they did, you know, last season. Just don't be afraid. Go and go and show what you can do. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, because my history might be a little off. But last time Nottingham were in the in the uh, Premier League it was 23 years ago. And it was quite a disastrous season. Kevin Campbell left before it, it even started. There yep. was a there was a bit of friction with the rest of the players. A mm. uh, lot of a lot of them were were unhappy with that, and that showed on the pitch. Uh, it was quite a difficult season. Terry Venables was the manager, if I'm not mistaken, last uh, time out. No, it was uh, oh, no, Ron Atkinson. Ron Atkinson, yeah. yeah. Sim similar similar kind of old school kind of manager. <laughs> yeah. uh, Experienced guy. Uh, so we, we talked about this being the biggest challenge of Marinakis' stint as Nottingham mm. owner. What can he learn from that disastrous season to make sure that Nottingham Forest don't just drop and go back to the uh, to the championship just 12 months after promoting, getting promotion? Yeah, that, that was a really strange kind of period of time, though. You're right. It, it did all surround Kevin Campbell being sold. That led to uh, Pierre van Hooydonk going on strike and refusing to come back. Uh it just completely undermined everything that Forrest had done. They actually went into the season with a far weaker team than they'd finished the season with in the in the second tier. And uh, it didn't really get much better from there. So, you know, I guess the lesson, <laughs> there's a lesson to be learned. It is don't sell your best your best players. <laughs> when you get uh, but, you know, it, it, thankfully it doesn't, it, it made me laugh because every but single... But Jet Spence is going though. Jed Spence is going, but every every single transfer window for what seems like the past past five years, Joe Worrell's been linked with Burnley. So, for the first time this summer, it's probably the first transfer window where Joe Worrell won't be linked with Burnley, and he'll he'll happily be staying rather than going to play for them in a the championship. Uh, it, yeah, Forest Forest are losing key players. You know, Spence is the one that would worry me more than the others. It, it, it does, but you can kind of understand why why it's feels relatively unlikely to happen just purely because of the money involved. You know, he, he was brilliant. He was outstanding and he's got a very bright future, that lad. But uh, there's got to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere where you you say, well, that's that's too rich for us and let, let's look elsewhere, see if we can find a player that's just as good for, for a bit less money. It's just common sense. Yeah. But also, if, if that's avoided, if relegation is avoided immediately after coming back... There's mm. also this thing called Premier League first season hangover. Mm. We started with Sheffield United. We're mm. wondering now with Brentford. 
How do Nottingham deal with that? What a great problem to have. If, if they do end up yeah. having that, I'll be a very happy man, you know? One uh, problem at a time, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 I, I, I don't want to sound negative or pessimistic. I really don't. But it is a huge challenge for Forrest to try and stay in the Premier League. You know, it is a increasingly elite club. You, the teams that go up almost, not, not without exception entirely, but the majority of the teams get promotion, their first goal is, is to avoid getting relegated again. I mean, years ago, a little bit before the era you talked about, Costas, there, there was an era under Frank Clark where where Forrest got, got promoted when Stan Collymore was in the team. And uh, immediately that, that first season, they went and got promoted into the Premier League. They, they finished third and they were challenging for the title for a lot of time. That just is, it, it's almost impossible now. It just isn't going to happen. You aren't going to go and see a team get promotion from the championship and suddenly challenge for the title. That That's the reality. You have to, what you hope is that people have perspective. And if, if Forrest finished 16th, 15th next season, it would be a huge success. And it will feel very different to what they've experienced this season. This season was just incredible because, you know, they, they had they gave the other teams a seven-game head start. They, they had one point in the first seven games under Chris Hewton. And then Steve Cooper came in and they went on this relentless charge. And it, it it, it it just felt like they were unstoppable and it's going to be different next season. There will be spells where they don't win for four or five or even six games and they're going to have to get used to that and not not let that kind of thing become a crisis if it does happen. Uh, it, it's just going to need a change of mentality and you hope that you hope that happens. Yeah, no, I, I think it's completely understand. From, from our point of view, I think as we saw Nottingham climb, each almost each match day, each week, it was like they're going higher. Are they really going to do this? And now they finally did it with with so many players on on loan as well. Is there almost this feeling like we're the massive underdogs? Let's just go for it, you know? Because I I saw there's already early betting saying Nottingham Forest the favorite to go down, which makes sense. A lot of their great players left because they were their low knees. I guess is there just a feeling, well, everyone's expecting us to go down. Let's just give it our best and hope for the best type thing. I, I don't know. Do, do you know what I hope? I hope what made Forest strong last season was that whoever they played, whether it was Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, Huddersfield, Fulham, whoever it was, no matter how good the opposition, they were really positive and they tried to win. They never set up negatively. They never set up they're always defensively disciplined and organised and didn't give a lot away, but they always had, they wanted to attack. They wanted to hit teams on the counter. They wanted to be positive. They wanted to play with pace and purpose and get the ball forward. And they, they created lots of chances and you don't want them to change, even though they're going into the Premier League in a whole different world. You, you want them to maintain that same outlook because I just don't think they'd thrive in the same way. If they go into the Premier League and try and defend their way to safety, I, I think it would be, pretty bleak I, th I think they've got to try and be mentally strong enough and and brave enough to go and do what they do best stay attacking stay stay positive and if it doesn't get you where you want to be so so be it but at least then you can sort of maintain that outlook again the following season and and hopefully that would get you promotion again so believe in your identity believe in the way you do things and believe that it will, it will bring you more success as it did last season so hopefully they'll they'll have the guts to to go out there and, and and carry on doing what they do. Yeah. And I guess now, I, I guess that's all the questions we have. There's some questions that I think fans have dropped. Thank you to everyone who who's following. Make sure 
Uh, this is usually not my job. Like and subscribe. I think there's like a little banner. Yes, we have it. Here it is. Like and subscribe for all of the Olympiacos content, guys. The summer's just starting. Um, we've got tons of news. Uh, Zinkernagel, of course, um, set to be announced this evening or even tomorrow. I think tomorrow. Reportedly, he's flying to Austria either tomorrow morning or this evening. Um, of course, Gonzalo Avia Gordon um, from Huddersfield it was just announced the right back. He's been signed. He is currently in Austria training with Olympiacos. We have all the news coming. And we also have the Dennis Alijavit. Deep dive. Adi did it. He looked into the player. We have all the information of this Czech under 21 player who supposedly has huge talent. Super exciting for Olympiacos. So I guess we'll just open it up to questions now that I did that. Tom is asking here, Paul, how many players do Forrest need? Eight to 10? That's a good question. And I'm also wondering. Is is Kafu gonna leave? Is Bong gonna leave? Is there any movement on that? I guess there's players oh, who are Bong's, championship level. Bong's gone. Bong's gone. Oh no! Wow, I didn't even yeah, think he was sorry. good enough for the championship. To be honest, <laughs> but <laughs> well, he played for all yeah, of course, and I was like, this is the most ordinary player I've ever seen. I was so surprised when I saw him. I I think the first time I saw him when he was waving the trophies around because I watched the the final game and I was like, wait. He's, he's still you know what? He, he, he never did it at Forest. He never looked the part of Forest either, but he, he played 100-odd games in the Premier League for Brighton. And, yeah, and, I was about to say. I, and he, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. they, 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 I spoke to people at Brighton when he signed for Forest, and they just said he was steady and reliable, unspectacular, but solid. And yeah. in the kindest possible way, I don't think we ever saw that either. <laughs> you know? I agree. I totally agree. So I guess going to the question, do you think eight to ten players sounds about right for for Forrest? I hadn't really thought about this, but when you think about the number of players that have gone, all the loan signings, and uh, you know the players are out of contract, then then yes, that that probably sounds like a reasonable figure. Um, they, they've got young players coming through; they think a lot of, but they're they're probably not ready for the Premier League yet, if we're entirely honest. Uh, and there are key positions that they need. They're, they're, they're short in both fullback positions. They, they need a, another striker, if not two strikers. Uh, probably another winger, maybe another number 10. You know, even beyond Gibbs-White, if they get him. Uh, so, yeah, when you look at it that way, there probably is going to need to be at least eight or ten new players. Uh, because when you look at the squad they've actually physically got at the minute, it, it's it's a little bit thin in terms of numbers. Yeah, no, it, it's really interesting. The the numbers, I think, um, exactly like who are you going to replace? I, I think also the bench is bigger in the Premier League, right? I, mm. I, I think, yeah. So, so I guess, make, they've had to make their dugouts bigger so that they can accommodate yeah. more substitutes. I, I read your guys' story. That was so interesting on the stadium adjustments. That's yeah. been because you would never think of those things. So this the dugout needs to be bigger. Yeah. The press area needs to be bigger. So. It sounds like they, they have their get, work cut out. The Premier League used to give clubs a year. They used to give them a season to get the kind of stuff in order. And now they don't. You just get you go you get promoted at the very end of May. And by August, you're meant to be ready for a new season. And it's a lot of change. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do have some sympathy for Forest. Even the fact they've got to have 10% of their capacity or uh, 3,000, whichever is the greater, yeah. that they have to have that that amount of room for away fans. So they've got to restructure 
the away end a little bit as well to let more fans in. There's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. We got a nice little question from Tom Cobb that I'm reading here. I, I can't put it out because I'm not in the, in, okay. in the technical side of things. But who's the best Olympiacos player currently that would suit Forrest, in your opinion? <laughs> Blimey. That, that... that may be a question for us to answer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't is. know, of course. I... No, 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 but I, I, do want, I, I would like to ask Paul, because like we got Pape Abusise, who's been linked with a lot of Premier League teams. Madi Kamara, who's a midfielder. Mm. Pape Abusise is a centre-back. Mm. Madi Kamara is a midfielder. Agipu Kamara, a versatile midfielder that can also play in the wings. Oh, who else am I missing? Uh, but you also have Costa more experienced players. But you have leaving. players, you have players which I don't think are realistic. But you have, of course, uh, Socrates. He played <coughs> how many years in Germany and in Arsenal? But you also have Manolas. I don't think they came to Olympiacos to close their career, right? So I don't think it's happening. But you also have players like Jan and Villa, who, um, who of course has played for I think Sunderland and. Um, I was trying to think the back Premier to that friendly game, the, the friendly game a couple of years ago and who stood out then. But the, I think the cold truth is that most Olympiacos players stood out because they absolutely battered Forrest. I think there was a <laughs> there, there was a moment during the first half where that there seemed to be a com, like a conversation on the bench where Olympiacos were asked to calm it down a little bit because it was it was going to get mm -hmm. embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember so, that game, um, but it was... That game, to be fair to Forrest, um, that game was right before Olympiacos went to the Champions League qualifier. So the team, it was just yeah. like right at the end of preseason, we're about yeah. to go to official match. So I think the level of training was completely... There was like, a striker we were who scored at the end, twice. You know? I'm desperately trying to remember his name and I can't for the life of me. I think uh, it was Guerrero, right? For yeah. Olympiacos. I think was it, it was... Because I remember watching the game because Probably Guerrero better, that yeah. summer was incredible. He yeah. got he scored. I I was in the Kariskaki for the game against Krasnodar, and he put one on his right foot and curled it, hit it off the bar, and yeah. I was like, "Well, is this Guerrero? Are we sure? What has happened?" To and then it was the same story in the season. He disappeared, but in the summer mm. it was like the guy came alive, and he, it he was had, super yeah. strange phenomenon. You could see flashes of that as well when you know after that, but not. Yeah, he never looked quite the same player as he did that night. That's for sure. Yeah. No, it, it, it makes sense. So, um, we got uh, another really good question here. Yeah, the fan from Nerdos FM, Nerwanos FM. I, not yes, that's a very good question right here, yeah. Paul. The fans here, uh, that means Greece, were supporting Forrest due to the relationship. Uh, and we're asking Paul now if this also works for the Forrest fans or the other way around. Do they support Olympiacos in Europe or you know, Greece? Yeah, I think they do. They, you know, there's quite a not to harp on about that game too much, but there were a lot of Forest fans that came over for that friendly, and the the welcome that that we got as media was 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 shared, I think, amongst the fans as well. You know, uh, I spoke to a lot of Forest fans who you know were made to feel very welcome around the stadium, and uh, in the nicest possible way. I'm not sure it is always the most welcoming place to away fans. Oh no, uh, it's not. No, and, it's and, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but yeah, you know, there, there was there was clearly a, a nice affinity even between between the two sets of fans. So I, I think there is a there's a there's a fondness there from yeah. uh, from Forest who who want to see uh, want to see Olympiacos do well without question at all. I, I, 
there's probably a phase where they got a little bit fed up of, of, of the players coming over, not doing brilliantly for Forrest. But, yeah. you know, I don't think that ever soured the relationship. I think, yeah. I think there's always been a desire to see Olympiacos do well. Yeah. Yeah, I, always keep, I keep an eye on myself, to be honest. It's, it's good. That's, that's good to hear because there was also a moment here where, I, I don't know, this was me. I felt bad for some of the, like, Mohamed Drager, I remember we sent, maybe it was last summer, and I was like, he, he went back, he went out on loan, out to Luzer. Thankfully, yeah. because it's like, what does this guy have any chance of playing at Forest? It's like, come on, what, they're, you're trying to make a, them hate us, you know? It's, find him a, a different team, and but moving away from that, um, we have a question earlier from Jeremy, and I've seen a lot of Forest fans asking us, is it possible for Zinkernagel <laughs> to be bought by Olympiacos and then loaned to Forest? Does that make any sense? Because we've had those questions asked, and to be honest, I don't really think it's possible, but if have you heard well. anything about this? There's there's a limit on the number of players that Premier League clubs can have on loan, so I, yeah, I, I so think it that's makes no sense. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what we thought I, as well. I, I think if if the price tag was two million pounds, I, I don't think Forrester would have had any qualms about paying that. To be fair, uh, so no, I think I think that's that will yeah. be unusual and, and hugely unexpected. Yeah. Also, another question from Jeremy, which is interesting because we've we've heard and Costa, I think you reported on this was Steve Cooper was actually in Athens visiting with. Uh, Chairman Marinakis, is there word on a new contract? I know a lot of Forest fans are really interested in hearing about that. Yeah, uh, the, we, we, as far as we were told, the, the, there has been very serious talks about it. They've all gone very well. Everything's agreed in principle. Uh, the last time I asked about it actually was yesterday, and I was told that uh, everybody involved on both sides expected it to happen and that it was all essentially agreed and it was just a matter of time. Uh, I, I I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think uh, in the very near future we'll, we'll, there'll be some kind of announcement about him having a new deal. I think everyone's hugely relaxed about it. I don't think the club or Cooper see it as being a huge deal. I think it's just a, a natural extension of their relationship. Uh, obviously a huge deal to, to Forest fans who want to see him stay. So um, hopefully that'll be a bit of positive news to come in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. And I guess uh, one last... yeah, go yeah. go on, Costa. No, yeah. no, go ahead, Laura. Yeah, I have one question, which I don't know. It's just something from a gut feeling and something I've heard. The it seemed like the son of Marinakis Mnitiadis has taken a role in Nottingham Forest, a bigger role. I we saw lots of videos he was posting. Did he seemingly take the driver's seat for Forest this season? Is he going to take another? Is he going to stay in that role, or is his father going to take over as they move into the Premier League? What what sort of is his role and just how is he liked in the community? Does he live around there? I don't, it's a he, bit he, he's, he's the figurehead at the minute. Uh, whilst, whilst his father's not around, he, he's the figurehead when he's not here. He, he's uh, uh, the owner's son. He's his eyes and ears. He's his, he's his yeah. you know, voice on, on this side of the of Europe. You know, uh, he, he is a key figure and, and Whilst whilst Evangelos is back in Athens, he's he's the boss. Uh, you know, obviously, when it comes to the day to day running of the club, it's down to to Dane Murphy, and uh, as we've said already, Steve Cooper has a big say in what happens as well. Uh, but Miltidis, yeah, he's 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 a key figure. I, I think what is interesting is that until 
sort of the final weeks of the season and until the actual celebrations when Forrest did win promotion, he managed to sort of stay under the radar quite a lot. I think it was only in recent weeks that his position has become more prominent and more publicly known. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that d- dynamic kind of evolves next season, you know, when when the club will very much be in more in the, in, in the spotlight. I think that's one thing that Forrest is going to have to get used to, generally speaking, away from just the ownership. But, you know, being in the Premier League is a huge step up from uh, from being in the Championship. You're immediately in the media spotlight. There's far more interest in you. Uh, and I know the club are actually appointing a, a, a lot more staff for their media department just to try and, you know, get themselves ready for that. But it, it is a whole different world. And as we hit the hour mark, Paul, thank you so much for joining us for so long. You've been you've been absolutely great. Uh, one last question from a fan called Look at My Eyes DC. <laughs> Any player for Nottingham that might be better suited than Olbiakos, like a young player that needs experience, someone that doesn't make Cooper's plans, anyone you reckon that'd be good to go to Olbiakos? That's a that's a big question. Do you know, it's kind of tough uh, because it's not really a step down to Olympiacos, is it? It's a sideways step. It's 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 not like you you would suddenly become a feeder club. The, the the one that just the first name that springs to mind is probably Alex Mighton because he's he struggled for game time a little bit. But there was a time uh, in the not too distant past where people at Forest thought that Alex Mighton was going to be a more exciting prospect than than Brennan Johnson even. And obviously Brennan's gone on, he's now a full Wales international, has been linked with 20, 25 million pound moves to other clubs. There's been a heck of a lot of interest in him. Uh, and he, he'll probably be Forest's biggest ax- asset next season. But Alex was always regarded as being a really bright young talent in his own right. And he, he didn't get many opportunities last season. And if we're entirely blunt, it, it doesn't feel like he'll get huge amount of chances in, in the season coming. So he needs to go somewhere to get some football. And if you needed a an attacking winger with, with a lot of pace and directness and trickery, then then he'd definitely do a good job for somebody. Yeah, we, we do need we that. Like for sure. we yeah, like no. And one name I think before Olympiaco signs the the fullback of right back or right back of Huddersfield and now Sime Versalco was the the Canadian international fullback. I'm forgetting his name, but I'm Maria. Yeah, I, he kind of made some sense, but I guess that one's over. Basically, I, I don't think that's happening. And one well, last, I think the Richie, Richie Maria actually. There's some suggestion he might go out on loan somewhere. Uh, mm. because he found himself down the pecking order at Forest. I mean, it's mainly because Spence was so good. He was brilliant. Yeah, so he struggled so much game time. But uh, I, I don't get the sense they regard him as being a, a starting fullback in the Premier League. And obviously the yeah. World Cup's coming up and he'll want to play for Canada. So uh, he, he will want to go on loan somewhere. So I, I wouldn't immediately rule that out if you do need a right back. Yeah. And I guess right before we thank you so much for your time, the Forest fans, I think, would kill us if we didn't ask this question. <laughs> Brennan Johnson <Yeah>. contract is <laughs> yeah, we, we even see that on our social media. Is uh is there anything about that for, for the fans watching tonight? Uh yeah, the, the club are hopeful that it'll it'll get sorted. I think there have been some early talks about it. Uh getting promotion to the Premier League obviously made a, a massive difference. If I'm entirely blunt, I don't think they would have had such a good chance of keeping him if they didn't go up. I think there's a a desire there, understandably, for him to be playing Premier League football. He's probably ready for it. Uh, he's made the climb from League One up into the Championship. He did really well with Lincoln on loan, blasted it there. 
Chris Hewton, for some random reason last summer, didn't think he was ready for the championship, which seems like a nonsense now. Uh, yeah. But he clearly was. He's He's been immense. He's been brilliant. He's been a joy to watch. And hopefully uh, that one will will get resolved. I think there's a few hurdles to overcome yet, but uh, hopefully it won't be an issue and, and he'll be he'll be tied down uh, for the foreseeable future. Great. I, I think Forest fans are very happy to hear that. And on that note, I guess we'll thank you so much here from the Gates no Evan International Group for coming on and speaking with us about Synchronago, but also we've opened the how would you say the can of worms and going over everything, you know, it's really <laughs> this dynamic between Forrest and Olympiacos. I think it's been so interesting and no one, I, I don't think we fully understand it and get it, but it's interesting to, to discuss how the relationship works and get it from your point of view, because sometimes we read things in Greece. It's like, is this really even real? Who knows? And then read things from your guys' side. So it's interesting, interesting well, hope- to discuss all of it. I hope there's another preseason game in Athens soon because I loved it out there. Uh, yeah, we'd love to have you, Paul. We'd love to have you over. It's yeah. good. I loved it there. Preus, that little harbour was beautiful. Little restaurants it down was. there, fantastic. Yeah, yeah we'd no, love to have nice you day. back, and we'd love and we'd love to uh, to see you at the city ground as well. Yes, that'd be good. Yeah, no, that that would be great. Um, and on that note, everyone, I guess my. My co-host would be mad if I don't do this. Make sure to like and subscribe. <laughs> also, follow us on social media. You guys all know all know the gist. Gate 7 International, we have the stories of Olympiacos, all of the content in English, especially for you Forest fans. If you want to keep up to date with what's going on at Olympiacos, if you're looking for a source, we've got all you need. Uh, we'll be translating everything, bringing you also exclusive information that we get, and, of course, doing two two shows a week on everything that's happening in Piraeus for Olympiacos. Thank you guys so much uh, for following. Let me find the outro. I found it. And thank you again, Paul, so much for for coming on and joining us. It's been a great conversation. Goodbye, everyone, and uh, good night.